The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's been a long day. Grab a cold drink and step into the man cave. Your hosts, Ray Austin and J.D. Harris, are getting the discussion together, so it's sure to be an exciting hour of fun and talk. We want to hear from you, too, so get ready to speak your mind. We don't judge here. Now your hosts of The Man Cave, J.D. Harris and Ray Austin. Hey, and welcome to The Man Cave. This is uh, Maurice Perry. I am hosting once again uh, this evening, this afternoon, this whatever time it is, and in, in your neck of the woods. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to host again. Uh, J.D. Harris, he is actually in France right now. Uh, I did chat with him earlier. He said he may have a chance to uh, call in and uh, chop it up a bit with uh, sports. I know that he just uh, finished a, a really nice mission trip in Africa, and he was posting some pictures online, and looks like he had a very good time there. And uh, just hope that uh, he's uh, enjoying his himself and, and relaxing right now and, and have a safe trip back home. But uh, hopefully he calls in a little bit later on. Uh, but if not, we're just going to go on with the show. Uh, I have a good lineup for you today. We're going to uh, start off talking some college football, the uh, rankings or the uh, seedings for the uh, college football playoffs were released on Sunday afternoon. We're going to talk about that a bit, and then we're going to talk some NFL. Carolina, what can I say? I talked about them last week, and uh, they had a bit of a nail-biter down in uh, in New Orleans, but uh, Cam Newton, that guy, he made plays when it, when it really mattered in the fourth quarter, so we'll talk about that a bit. We'll get into the Adrian Peterson uh, criticism and, uh, you know, what he had to say about his coaching staff, uh, and we'll talk about Seattle some, and and also we're, we're going to talk about the NBA a bit. I, I know I didn't have much time uh, last week to uh, really go over some things, but there's a few things that I want to really hit on. Uh, of course, Golden State uh, continuing with their their run, and they won last night at uh, Indiana, and my God, ESPN was treating it like it was a uh, the greatest event in the last 10 years, the way that the coverage was so uh, dedicated for an hour on SportsCenter before the game even started. So we'll talk about them a bit. And I want to talk about a couple of coaches out in L.A., the two coaches out in L.A., uh, Doc Rivers and Byron Scott. Uh, these guys, I mean, they're great guys, but they're just not getting it done out there. And I don't know what the the tone is with uh, Clippers fans and, and Lakers fans in terms of, you know, their coaches, but some of the decision-making and the personnel moves that they've made uh, over the last few weeks is very questionable. So I want to talk about that a bit as well. Uh, and uh, I want to get into Colangelo uh, being, becoming the uh, 
the advisor or the chairman of basketball operations with uh, Philadelphia. Uh, I believe that the league had some input and uh, pressure on that. And uh, if we have time, I, I know I didn't get to it last week, but I, I really wanted to talk about Tiger Woods as well. Uh, you know, this may be it for Tiger, uh, depending on how this uh, latest setback with his back, uh, if that heals up and if he'll ever fully recover from that. But nonetheless, I want to start with college football. Uh, the rankings, as, as I stated, the rankings came out on Sunday afternoon, and uh, there weren't really any surprises with that. The only uh, change in the top four was basically a flipping or a falling of Oklahoma from that third spot down to four. I really didn't have a problem with that. I think that uh, Oklahoma not having that uh, conference championship game really played into that uh, decision by the committee to drop them down. And uh, Michigan State, who uh, that that Big Ten championship game was a de facto quarterfinal uh, and the winner of that game was definitely going to get in. But it was a matter of, you know, where would they be placed in that top four? So they pushed Michigan State up to number three. Uh, Alabama remained at number two. They really didn't have. Uh, any issues in their SEC title game with Florida. And uh, one thing about Florida, how good would the Florida team be if they actually had a quarterback? I mean, that's that's a legitimate question because Florida's defense is pretty good. I mean, they didn't win, uh, what was it, 10, 11 games in the SEC East, which is a weak division, the weaker of the two divisions, by the way, uh, as we all know. But they won a lot of those games with their defense. And really, they were very close to being undefeated. Uh, they went to LSU, and I believe they dropped a, a close one to LSU. Uh, other than that, we could have ended, they could have ended up uh, being in that discussion uh, with uh, being in that top four as well. And, of course, Clemson remains at number one with their win against Carolina uh, I thought that that game was going to be close, and it really wasn't close until the, the very end uh, of the ACC championship game. And uh, actually, I had turned away from it because Carolina, I believe they were down by 14 or 17 points. And when I checked SportsCenter uh, later on that night, I was surprised that they had uh, only lost by seven. Then I saw the highlights of the terrible, terrible, terrible call, the offsides call. Uh, when they were attempting the onside kick. And I've, I've talked about this previously uh, with the officiating, uh, really at all levels of uh, college football. It has been absolutely, well, not college football, football, period. Uh, the college level and the NFL, the officiating has been absolutely terrible. I mean, absolutely terrible. And you know, as I've mentioned before, you know, time and time again, for us to have uh, or for them to have access to instant replay and still get calls wrong, it is absolutely atrocious. I mean, what's the reason for having instant replay? And this call, uh, the offsides call on the uh, onside kick attempt was egregious. It was it was it was terribly egregious you know, uh, for them to make that call and for it not to be a, review, a reviewable uh, situation. 
uh, I, again, I, I, I can't even remember who recovered the ball first and foremost. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter is the officiating has been terrible. So there you have it. You have your top four. Uh, Clemson, number one, Alabama, number two, Michigan State, number three, Oklahoma, number four. And as I mentioned last week, you know, I, I really I, I could care less about this uh, playoff system because it's not really what I what I label a playoff system when you don't consider all of the other teams that could, you know, make a, a, a very, very concerted effort and, and challenging for a national title if you broaden the uh, the range of, of teams that are, are, are able to enter into this playoff into a real playoff system as I mentioned last week the FCS they have 24 teams okay 24 teams the top eight teams have a bye okay now I'm not even asking for uh, the FBS to go to 24 teams but at least, at the very least, 16. And there's no way in the world that any argument about academics and the students having to take exams, uh, final exams, and being uh, loaded down and and more games, meaning more uh, exertion on these players' bodies and they can't take it. Well, NCAA, you're doing it at the FCS level. You're already doing it at the Division Two and Division Three levels, so it's a, it's an absolute cop out. Everybody knows that this is about corporatism. As I mentioned last week, this is about fascism. You know where the gov- uh, uh, corporations come in and basically control uh, uh, the the outcome of of, of the uh, rankings, not necessarily the rankings, but the, the pairings, the bowl game system. Scrap the bowl game system. Let's do a 16-team playoff. And uh, every just like last year, I went ahead and put together a hypothetical bracket uh, of, of 16 teams. And this 16 teams, they consist of uh, the 10 conference champions, of the big five and the and the, uh, the the smaller group of five, the group of five, uh, you have Houston winning the uh, uh, the AAC. You have, of course, Clemson, the ACC, Oklahoma, the Big Twelve, Michigan State, Big Ten, Western Kentucky, Conference USA, Bowling Green, the MAC, uh, San Diego State, uh, the uh, Mountain West, Stanford, the Pac-12, Alabama, the SEC, and I believe Arkansas State, the uh, Sun Belt, and the next next six teams that would comprise that top six, 16 would uh, be the uh, next highest rated teams that aren't uh, that did not win their conference championship. So really, if you look at the, the final uh, rankings of the uh, the uh, by the committee, you have Iowa at number five. They're getting in. You have Ohio State at number seven. They'll get in. You have Notre Dame at number eight. They'll get in. Uh, Florida State, number nine, they're in. Carolina, number 10, they're in. And the last team that will squeeze in is TCU. Okay, so you have 16 teams. And then you just go ahead and see them based on their final rankings. Okay, so, of course, you have Clemson 1, Alabama 2, Michigan State 3, Oklahoma 4, Iowa 5, Stanford 6, Ohio State 7, Notre Dame 8, Florida State 9, North Carolina 10, 
TCU 11, Houston 12, uh, Western Kentucky 13, uh, Bowling Green 14, San Diego State 15, and Arkansas State 16. Now, those uh, final few teams, uh, they weren't in the top 25, so I basically just shoved them into the bracket based on their record. You know, that there's not much to go on. But here's the thing. You have you, you, you have a scenario where you have what's similar to uh, a NCAA March Madness regional bracket, you know, with the 16 teams and uh, where you have the number one seed team playing number 16. In this case, on my bracket, it'll be Clemson hosting Arkansas State. And that's the thing. The first two rounds of this playoff system, the higher seed will host the game. So Clemson will host Arkansas State. Uh, Alabama will host San Diego State. San Diego State is my 15 seed. Okay, but some intriguing matchups that you have with this here, eight, nine matchup, you know, just like in in in, in March Madness, those eight, nine games are usually very, very good games because the talent is very uh uh, the, the playing field is, is, is very equal. So look at this, 8-9 matchup of Notre Dame and Florida State. Now, who wouldn't want to see a first-round matchup of Notre Dame and, and Florida State? Another interesting matchup, uh, according to my bracket, would be number six, Stanford, hosting number 11, TCU. That is an excellent game on paper. Who wouldn't want to see that? Or what about Ohio's, uh, Ohio State hosting North Carolina? Okay, so you, you have and, and, and another game, five uh, twelve. Uh, you know, in basketball, five twelve is one of those matches matchups in, the, in in March Madness where you see the twelve seed upset the five seed almost every year. You know, in one of the brackets. Well, here you have Iowa hosting Houston. And this Houston team is very dynamic offensively. They can put up a lot of points. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, this this clashing of uh, two different type styles of play. You know, the the dominant defense of Iowa against uh, a juggernaut offense of Houston. So uh, up and down the line, you have you have uh, matchups that will be intriguing in the first round. And we're not even talking about the second round. What about a second round matchup of uh, uh, Iowa and Oklahoma or a Clemson versus Florida State or a rematch of Clemson versus Notre Dame? Or what about Michigan State versus Stanford or Michigan State versus TCU, Ohio State against Alabama? You know, so. Uh, as you can see, I mean, the, these games, and, and like I said last week, corporations can bid on these games. The, the games can go to the highest bidder. But we we should definitely look to go to 16. I know uh, David Shaw, Stanford's quarterback, uh, I'm sorry, coaches talked about uh, uh, it definitely going to eight, but I believe it needs to go to 16. So we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk some NFL, and uh, I'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to J.D. Harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, we're going to talk some NFL. And, uh, of course, the... Uh, Talk of the NFL town is the continued performance of Cam Newton and these uh, Carolina Panthers. Uh, I, I had a chance to watch the entire game over the weekend <clears throat> down in uh, Saint. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, New Orleans, and you knew that New Orleans was going to put up a fight. You knew that Drew Brees was going to put up some some uh, very very decent numbers. And they weren't just going to roll over and, and die. Uh, and, it, you know, it, it was a point in time where the game was going back and forth. But uh, as I've stated, this guy Cam Newton, I believe with New England faltering the last two weeks and uh, Carolina continuing on their run, I believe that as of today, uh, Cam Newton has to be your your leader in terms of uh, league MVP. Uh, he's just doing it all, and he's doing it all when it counts. Like I've said, uh, the fourth quarter, he's making plays. He's very accurate. He's sharp. He's making plays with his with his legs when he needs to. And right now, they're in. They're definitely. Uh, if they continue, they should definitely end up with a home field advantage. I mean, you just have to uh, keep an eye on Arizona sitting at 10 and 2. So if you're Carolina, you don't want to slip up at all and allow uh, <clears throat> Arizona to take that home field away from you. And uh, I, <clears throat> I believe that if Carolina has that home field in Arizona, or Seattle has to come to, and we're going to talk. I'm going to talk about Seattle in a second. But uh, if you're getting Seattle or Arizona coming to uh, Charlotte to play in an NFC Championship game, that's going to uh, 
uh, bode well for you, uh, Carolina fans. Uh, I, I hope that uh, Peanut Tillman can get healthy uh, soon and give you that other uh, ex- uh, added debt and experience at the corner position. Uh, but right now, I mean, they're, they're playing, I, I believe, the best football on, on both sides of the ball. And kudos to Ron Rivera. Uh, he's doing an excellent job. Uh, well, and, and the team is doing excellent with all phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. So big ups to Carolina. And, you know, looking at, at their schedule, I, I took a look at their schedule last week, and <clears throat> they're sitting at 12-0 and 0 right now. <clears throat> they have Atlanta at home uh, this Sunday. And with Atlanta playing the way that they're playing, I believe that's another win. Then they go to New York, and we'll see what happens, uh, you know, with that mess in the NFC East, uh, as terrible as, as uh, all of those teams have looked uh, on and off, you know, especially New York, the, la- the Giants the last couple of weeks. You never can tell which team will show up. Uh, Eli is really, you know, taking on that uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde role where uh, – he just, you know, he's, he's looked terrible. He looked terrible last week. So they have uh, the Giants uh, on the 20th, then they're at Atlanta on the 27th, and they finish the season at home against Tampa Bay. Now, Tampa Bay is very interesting. They're at 6-6 six and six right now. And I, I just want <clears throat> to congratulate uh, Levy Smith for uh, just getting this team to believe that they can win games. You know, Winston started off slow. Uh, they There were a lot of question marks and red flags, even for myself. You know, that first game when they played uh, uh, Tennessee in Tampa, Jameis looked horrible. Uh, I'm going to tell you, he, he looked absolutely horrible. But he's played very, very good football the last two, three weeks. So they're, they're at six and six. And when you look at the standings, uh, they're right there for, you know, in contention for a wild card spot. So that's something to keep your eye on if they can continue to uh, put pressure on teams and especially those that are trying to sneak into the back door uh, and grab wild card spots, uh, specifically uh, speaking about uh, Minnesota and Seattle. Uh, those two teams, well, Minnesota, Minnesota is tied record-wise with Green Bay, uh, but <clears throat> uh, Minnesota and Seattle, they're trying to sneak in, but keep an eye on Tampa. They're at 6-6, six and six, and they're moving on up uh, while, of course, you know, Atlanta, they're, they've lost their last five, so they're at 6-6 six and six also, but I believe they're done. They're done. They, they can't, they won't be able to turn that, that ship around. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. Uh, a lot of it, of course, has to go to Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has not been playing consistent football. He's not been playing like uh, the Matt Ryan of the previous uh, few years, you know. So, and, and you know, things are going good uh, at the beginning of the season. You know, new coach, new attitude, rah, rah, rah. But I believe the truth is being shown, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, you know, you can only play on enthusiasm uh, so so much. You have to have talent. You have to have guys that can actually play and you have to have the guys in the system to be able to play that that system. 
So, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, there, there's a couple of a lot can a lot can happen in four four games, uh, and, and we'll see. Um, Seattle, Seattle's really turning into uh, the Seattle of old. But here's the thing: the defense is playing better. They're they're playing more as a cohesive unit. They're still giving up points. But the difference is you have a running game that's not led by uh, uh, Marshawn, but it's it's by it's virtually by committee, you know. And not only that, uh, Russell Wilson has been putting up some gaudy numbers, some excellent numbers lately. So it's a different it's a different type of uh, attack offensively. And it's interesting that the number they, they started up putting more points, they started putting up more points and moving the ball better when uh, Jimmy Graham went down. You know, this is no slight to Jimmy Graham, but I believe that they just needed a, a certain type of tight end uh, uh, other than Jimmy to really take, you know, get back into that groove. And I believe Jimmy started, you know, playing a lot better uh, as time went on and he started to get, uh, get more in- integrated into the offense. But, but I believe that something has happened since he's went, went out. Since, I'm sorry, since he's uh, gone out. And Seattle just looks like a machine offensively. Um, so it's very interesting. Interesting to see how they uh, finish up the, the season. Uh, this guy uh, Rawls has really been tearing it up in the backfield and and doing some great things and and making the game easier for Russell Wilson. I know they shuffled some offensive linemen around. They've been playing a lot better and uh, and give credit to Russell Wilson also. I mean he's playing making a lot of plays outside of the pocket and and. and uh, just extending plays, and he's been very accurate the last couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, Seattle is Seattle's playing like one of the better teams in the league right now. Uh, another sleeper team, if we go to the AFC and quietly, uh, the the Kansas City Chiefs have put together a very very decent run. A, a very decent run. Uh, let's see how many games they've won uh, in a row. They have won their last six. They've they've won their they're on a six game win streak. I think they started off uh, one and five. You know, in the in the in the doldrum. You know, what I'm saying uh, just in the bottom of the basement while Denver was running away with it, and Oakland looked like a team that was going to take that next step in terms of uh, applying pressure and becoming a, a a factor in the AFC West. Uh, quiet as kept. Kansas City has turned it on offensively and defensively, and they're playing some great football right now. So as of right now, they're sitting at seven and five. They're tied with Pittsburgh. The uh, two wild card. Well, let's see. Well, well, you have a three-way tie in terms of the AFC. You have the Jets at seven and five. You have Pittsburgh at seven and five, and you have Kansas City at seven and five. So it's going to be interesting. To see how that shakes out. I don't know if any of them have any head-to-heads coming up, but uh, Kansas City is definitely a factor. And while I'm talking about Pittsburgh, I'm going to say this right now. Nobody's going to want to face Pittsburgh in the playoffs. If they can squeeze in 
No one's going to want uh, want to face them because the weapons that they have on offense are absolutely tremendous. The they have the best wide receiver core in the game right now, hands down. You know, Arizona is a close. I believe Arizona is a close second, but that that uh, wide receiver core is something special. Um, when you look at uh, you know Brown and Bryant on the outside. You have Heath Miller at tight end. You have Hayward Bay uh, as that third receiver. Uh, you know, they're, they're really, really clicking. And uh, with Williams running the ball, uh, they're, they're a factor. Now, if they can shore up their defense a little bit more, uh, create some stops, you know, it's not necessarily the front seven that's the problem. It's the back four. You know, the, the Pittsburgh defensive line is, is, is pretty good. But when it comes to uh, playing a, a team that wants to throw the ball down the field and attack you with the pass and stretch you out, that's where Pittsburgh has difficulties. And that's why uh, the, the, the offense has had to put up tremendous numbers to win a lot of these games. For instance, when they were out at Seattle a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, they, it was a shootout. It was a, a bona fide shootout. They had to put out put up a lot of points to even stay in the game with a Seattle team that hadn't been uh, putting up a ton of points. So uh, the the whole that that whole steel curtain, you know, uh, facade that you know has customarily been given to Pittsburgh, and you know, uh, in the days of old, you know, that's. Like I said, the defensive line is decent, but as a unit, you know, they're not the same uh, Pittsburgh defense as we're accustomed to seeing. And uh, and what what can I say about New England? Uh, you know, I, I believe that they're starting to run out of bullets, you know, basically. I mean, you can only sustain so many injuries uh, to key players. But not only that, the players that you have out there, specifically the receivers, you know, they can't catch a cold. You know, they 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 can't they can't catch a, a, a ball if, it, if their life depended on it. And you can see uh, the frustration and, and Brady's face, you know, after, you know, sure catches or, or balls that should be sure catches. Uh, so it's, it's some tough times going on in New England. Uh, but, hey, you know, they still have a pretty decent lead in the AFC East. Uh, we're going to take a break. And we're going to come back and I want to talk about Adrian Peterson uh, a bit. And then uh, after that, we're going to go into some NBA. So I'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety Ray Ellis on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. 
Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to J.D. Harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. All right. Welcome back to the man cave. It's Maurice Perry sitting in for J.D. Harris. Uh, hopefully, he'll be back next week and we'll chop it up and talk some sports but uh right now i want to finish uh the nfl segment and i want to talk about adrian peterson and his criticism of the uh coaching staff uh earlier well after uh their last game against seattle um when is it appropriate to uh talk about your coach or uh, throw your coach under the bus or criticize your coach or say anything um, that's not positive about your coach, any coach. It could be the head coach, assistant coach, uh, or anybody. Um, when is it ever appropriate to criticize your boss in public or let's say on Facebook or Twitter or whatever it may be? Is there ever an appropriate time to do that? Uh, The question is also leads to if you do that, you know, criticize your boss, will you have a job after that? Uh, Most of us can't afford to ever say anything critical to whoever's paying, you know, paying us our giving us our paycheck. Uh, But with the high price athletes, you know, and someone of Adrian Peterson's caliber, there's no ramification or consequence for that. Of course, I I would not doubt at all that uh, he got called into the office and chewed out uh, and, and the situation was addressed. But the fact of the matter is there's never an appropriate uh, time ever to criticize your, your coach. Even if you, know deep down inside that, hey, I only got eight carries. Uh, I believe the the game would have been different if I would have uh, touched the ball more, been more involved. Uh, you, you can't say that while throwing your coach under the bus. You know, there, and the thing is, there's a way to say things also. Okay. 
he could have said something like and, and, and actually today he tried to clean it up a little bit and and uh, or, or yesterday, I believe he tried to clean it up a little bit and try to point out some plays where he could have been more effective. And, you know, that would have been cool if you had said that initially. And I understand you're trying to clean up the situation, but he still said that he he's not backing down to, to from his his point of view. And and granted, I have you know, hey, we live in America. It's your First Amendment right to say what you want to say. You can say whatever you want to say, and you don't have to back down from it. I get that. But at the same time, what type of precedent are you setting? What type of example are you setting for not only? Uh, the 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 other young guys in your locker room where, you know, they begin to feel like it's appropriate for them to question authority or question uh, their lack of playing time or lack of touches or whatever it may be. But it also isn't a good look for the young kids that still look up to you. Mind you, Adrian Peterson, your uh, your character and your your persona has taken a hit because of the abuse situation uh, that you, you know, were suspended for. So the league and, 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 the, and the fan base and those that are outside of football who, you know, really have a negative feeling towards high paid athletes in the first place, uh, they're looking at you with a critical eye to begin with. So you're just giving them fuel for their fire to even come back at you and bring up issues even the more. So my whole thing is this, you know, what he said should have never been said. It's okay to feel that way. And yeah, he should have gotten the ball more, but at the same time we have to look at, okay. And and this is a game, you know, I didn't look at uh, the Minnesota game. So I didn't know what the score was after the first quarter. It may have been a situation where they were down 14, nothing immediately or down big immediately, and they had to open up the playbook to try to get back into the game. Now, 14 nothing. you know, that's a situation where you shouldn't really abandon your playbook or, or, your, or your set plays and, or, or, or using the run to try to establish some type of uh, uh, rhythm and, and momentum or just establish uh, your identity in that game. You know, it, it may be premature to do it even at 14 nothing, but at the same time, you know, you can't sit there and criticize the coaches for making the decision to try to open it up more and try to uh, move the ball downfield with the pass. So it's just one of those situations where, you know, I think Adrian would have served himself better just to, you know, keep it all in house. And, you know, it kind of it reminds you of a couple of weeks ago with Ezekiel Elliott and, and, and uh, his criticism of uh, the coaching staff and not getting the ball enough in that game at home against uh, Michigan State. And everybody that was looking at the game, I think he carried the ball at 11 times. And, yeah, you know, Rightfully so. It's, you know, he should should have been upset, but there's a decorum. There's a way to you that you have to skate around that. You know, you can talk to your coaches in private. And of course, there was some frustration there. And I believe that this was the same, a similar situation with Adrian Peterson, where right after the game, you're frustrated from a, a, a terrible loss. You feel like you weren't utilized enough. You weren't used in the, in the running game. You weren't used in screen 
<clears throat> screen pass. And so I understand the human element of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, just being upset and and uh, agitated by the outcome of the game. And, you know, wh- I, I believe that it was a bigger issue, a more glaring issue uh, with Ezekiel Elliott and uh, Ohio State and him only touching the ball 11 times. And I believe uh, later on that evening or whatever it was or the next day where he had tweeted about uh, Henry carrying the ball. I don't know. Was it 46 times? I believe the next game he carried the ball a ton for Alabama and he had tweeted about that. So I believe that that was a sign of immaturity as well. But you saw that the uh, the, the next week at at Michigan, Ezekiel Elliott did get his carries. And of course, Ohio State went up to uh, Ann Arbor and handled their business. But, uh, you know, there's there's never a situation that's uh, appropriate for you to criticize your coaches. That's just setting a terrible precedent, like I've said, for their teammates that that creates dissension in the locker room uh, and, and uh, unneeded uh, rift between coaches and players and, and and creating division that's not wanted. Hey, Minnesota, they're in the thick of this thing. They're in that playoff. They're in that uh, wild card hunt. Really, they're in the hunt to win the division. So, look, it's a loss. Move on from there. Concentrate on your next game and uh, move on from there. So uh, that, that's about it for the NFL. I'm going to wrap that up and uh, let's talk some basketball real quick. Um, you know, I – what can I say? What can I say? I, I, I talked about uh, Golden State last week a bit. And, man, last night, you know, they put up uh, 44 points in the first quarter. And it wasn't Steph Curry that did the bulk of the damage. That other guy, that other guy, the other member of the Splash Brothers, he decided to show up last night, and he showed up big. Clay showed up big. I mean, he was absolutely spectacular, uh, shooting with a lot of confidence, shooting turnaround, baseline jumpers without even looking at the basket hardly. These guys, man, and I, you know, I've said it and I'll say it again, Golden State is probably the only team in the league that I would travel somewhere. Like, I live uh, in, in, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, okay? I'm about three and a half hours from Memphis. Golden State is the only team in the league that I'll make that three and a half hour, well, three hour drive to Memphis or the three hour, 15 minute drive down to Atlanta to go see. They're the only team in the league that I won't even drive that far to go see my Bulls play. And I'm, a, I'm an avid Bulls fan. But there's something about the way that Golden State plays the game that, look, it's so textbook. It's so uh, what you want your team to be. If you're a coach, if you're a little league coach, or or you're coaching uh, high school, middle school, this is a team that you want to emulate. You know, you got guys, you have a superstar in Steph Curry, and that's why it's such a feel-good story because, let's face it, Steph is only about 6'2", 6'3", with no, I mean, he has no size. He looks like your average Joe walking the street, a scrawny kid who, you know, doesn't look like he belongs out there with everybody else. I mean, he, he looks like he's barely uh, hit a weight. And now he did. Uh, he, he was smaller when he came from uh, 
Davidson. So he has, quote, end quote, bulked up a little bit. But <clears throat> he's still a little scrawny baby face kid out there, even though he has the, uh, the raggedy beard going. I guess he has his hockey look going for the road games or their uh, five games, games into their seven game uh, road stint. So I guess he wants to grow out the little uh, hockey beard. But I mean, this guy is spectacular. You got Draymond Green, who's probably, in my opinion, the most valuable player on that team. He's that glue guy. You know, he does everything. He scores. He rebounds. Uh, uh, he he plays excellent defense. He passes. He does. A, he takes charges. He does everything that you need uh, when it's needed. So those guys and. I, you know, I haven't even looked at the schedule, but uh, right now, I I don't see them losing anytime soon. I know that they have uh, Cleveland coming up on Christmas break, and there's a good probability that they're still going to be undefeated by the time uh, Christmas Christmas break. Well, um, what did I say Christmas break for? Christmas Day, <laughs> not Christmas break. Christmas Day. Uh, there's a good chance that they, they'll still be undefeated by then because uh, what they did to Indy. Now, Indy did claw themselves back into the game. The Pacers did uh, put on a pretty good display in that fourth quarter to uh, get back into the game. And they were really one or two, three point shots away from uh, Miles or or uh, uh, so mind blank. There are a couple of three-point shots away from really closing that game and uh, making it very interesting. But uh, Paul George, I'm sorry, I had a, had a brain cramp there. Uh, there were there were a couple of short uh, shots away from really making that game interesting and and making Golden State get tight. But you know when it came when it came down to uh, Golden State making a play, they made the play. So to to extend the lead. So they're playing great. Uh, I want to talk about uh, what's going on in L.A., and I'll talk about it a bit more on the other side of the break. But if I'm a Clippers fan and if I'm a Lakers fan, I'm very, very, very uh, worried about the state of our franchises because uh, as of right now, those two guys aren't getting it done. And, and what I mean what I mean by those two guys, I'm talking about Doc Rivers and Byron Scott. I want to talk about this a little bit more on the other side of the break. So uh, I'll be back. to the pros we, we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports surfing is taking the world by storm it's not just the sport itself but the culture that surrounds it from music to fashion art and competition surf talk show is the place that will showcase it all your hosts are jj and the doctor two surfing enthusiasts who have lived and traveled the lifestyle and culture They'll bring you the knowledge and the entertainment that will keep you riding the wave. 
Tune in every Thursday at 11 a.m. on the West Coast, 2 p.m. on the East Coast on Voice America Sports. Are you ready for a show that's all about what goes on behind the scenes and how it relates to what you see on the field? Tune in for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on the Voice America Sports Channel. Our guests will bring you the stories, the opinions, the expertise, and the inspiration behind what you hear in sports news. Find out what happens next. Listen for Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're inside the man cave. We're ready to talk with you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to J.D. Harris at high-intensitysports.com. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back. This is uh, Maurice Perry sitting in for J.D. I'm steering the ship alone again this week. And uh, I want to continue uh, talking about the uh, Clippers and the Lakers. Um, if I'm a L.A. fan, either team, I'm, I'm very concerned right now. And I'm, I'm very uh, concerned with who's at the helm of our teams uh, and I'm not talking about management per se, even though uh, with the Clippers, I, Doc Rivers does have, wear that hat. He's, uh, he's, he's wearing that uh, general manager or, or president of basketball operator, whatever the title is. He has uh, uh, more control than d- does Byron Scott uh, with the Lakers. But I'm, I'm going to start I'm going to start with uh, the Lakers first and Byron Scott. Um, guys, you know, look, let's face it. Byron Scott can't coach. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He he can't coach. He's not a good coach. And he's not. And when I say good coach, I'm not necessarily talking X's and O's. And this is this relates to Doc Rivers as well. I'm not necessarily talking about X's and O's and what happens on the floor. But I'm talking about managing, game managing, managing personnel, managing the players that you that you have, playing with the deck of cards that you have. And, and we all know that Kobe's. On basically on life support with his game right now. You know, you might see a glimpse here and there uh, of old Kobe, but the glory days of Kobe are over. Uh, so my, my whole thing is you have to see what you have in, in, in the stalls. And for him the other night uh, to or the other day to make the decision to bring Russell, D'Angelo Russell, and uh, Randall, Julius Randall, off the bench and not start them, it's, it's time for Byron Scott to go, okay? Now, I have some friends that are Lakers fans. I haven't really asked them what they thought about this, or if, even if they're paying attention to what's happened. They're probably saying, okay, forget it, just go ahead and tank so that we 
can uh, get more balls in the uh, lottery to try to get a number, uh, another number one draft pick, uh, specifically trying to target the kid out of LSU. But you have to see what you have on this team. You know, D'Angelo Russell, he started the year off very, very slow. And, and he was looking like he was just not prepared to play at this level. And, it, you know, it's, it's much different than being in Columbus. It's much different than playing college. You know, hey, when you get to the league, this is a big man's league. This is, a, this is where men play the game. You know, so it's it's going to take some time for D'Angelo to get up to speed. But you don't get experience by coming off the bench, especially when you spend a high draft pick on him. And also uh, Julius Randle, you know, two years in a row, they spent high draft picks on these guys and you got them coming off the bench. Look, your team sucks. Okay, your team sucks anyways. So why don't you put your best team out there? Now, I I, I didn't watch the game the other night, but uh, from what I heard, when the bench was out there on the floor, when Julius and and, and D'Angelo were out there on the floor, the Lakers closed the gap. Let me let me who were they playing the other night? Because this is really bothering me. And, And, you know, I'm not even a Lakers fan. You know, but when I heard when I heard about that this this morning, it really, really bothered me uh, in Toronto. So they lost at Toronto one oh two to ninety three. But um, the uh, plus, when you look at the plus minus of that game, it's um, it's apparent that these guys needed to be out on the floor. They needed to be out on the floor. And I I just don't understand why why, why would you make that type of decision? I, I just don't understand to, uh, you know, pull them off the floor. And I, I believe that uh, the bench started to make a run to get back into the game late into the uh, third, third quarter. Uh, but then they brought the starters back in, put D'Angelo and, and, and Julius back on the bench. And then uh, the, the Toronto basically ran away with the game and won, one, uh, like I said, 102-93. Uh, but you got to play those guys. You got to see what you have on the squad. You have to see who shows up night in and night out because you, you, you have to know what's on your team so that you know what type of moves that need to be made in the offseason uh, going into next year. You have to do that. Now with the Clippers, Doc Rivers. Let me me say this about Doc. Yes, Doc has a championship under his belt at Boston. But let's not act, and and I I like Doc. He's a great guy. You know, he's a, I, I believe he's a player's coach. But let's not fool ourselves. You know, what was Doc's record at Orlando? Was he contending year in and year out at Orlando? And before the big three, the initial big three, uh, you know, well, Paul Pierce was already in Boston. But before Ray Allen and uh, KG showed up in Boston, what was his record with, with Boston? You know, just, just take the time to look up his overall records. Uh, uh, with uh, Orlando and and uh, uh, Boston, 
you know, he has he doesn't have a stellar record. He he doesn't have a stellar career in the league. And and no way, I'm not trying to knock him, but it is what it is. You know, you need to start questioning his moves. And and, and for this guy, for him to to not play Lance Stevenson at all, for Lance Stevenson to be rotten on the bench and and not getting an opportunity to contribute to this team is an absolute travesty. Lance Stevenson is a, probably your best lockdown defender, uh, especially on the perimeter, on your team. And for him not to be able to get to – and he's, 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 he's pretty athletic. He's agile. Now, he, he gets out of control at times, but look, he plays with passion. He plays with intensity, and this is something that the Clippers need. There's no reason in the world that they should be 12-9 and nine right now. It's absolutely inexcusable for the amount of talent that they have on that team. And for them, right now, they're down 10 games. You know, granted, uh, uh, Golden State, they're 23 and 0. There's not much you can do about that. But they should be much, much better than 12 and 9. And I believe it's about time for them to strip that GM uh, title or whatever it is from Doc and, and, and uh, really get him to understand that, hey, concentrate on what's happening on the floor and 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 do a better job. I believe if they don't get it done, if they don't clean this thing up, Doc should be gone by the by by the all-star break. That's just my personal opinion. A lot of people will disagree me with me, but there's too much talent on that team to be 12 and 9. So I'm gonna leave have that be my last thought of the day. <laughs> the Clippers. I still haven't gotten the Tiger Woods and uh uh, the 76ers and, and, and ALBJ and that Nike deal. But uh, I'll save that for another time. Hey, it's been wonderful hosting again. And uh, I'll see you next week on the Man Cave. Peace. All right, we're just about out of here. But make sure you come on back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. East, 3 p.m. West for another edition of the Man Cave with J.D. Harris and Ray Austin on the Voice America Sports Channel. See you soon.